are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, we make choices every, every day of our lives. Some of the choices that we make are inconsequential. They're, you know, we chose a vacation spot. How did it go? We loved it. We're going to go back. We're so glad we found it. So you, you went to a particular restaurant for an anniversary. What was it like? Bad choice. We won't go back there again. But, but then there are other choices that we make that are, that are pretty weighty in terms of our future. Like the, the university that I choose to attend is probably going to determine a lot about my future. Or the career path that I choose. Big choice. Major ramifications. Or the person I marry. Huge choice. And the person that I marry. Uh, the friends that I choose. I'm always saying to students, there's a verse in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Every mother of a teenager right now is saying, 1 Corinthians what? I want to quote that to my kid every day of his or her life. 1 Corinthians 15, there, there are other choices that have a moral component that we make. And these are not a matter of good choices or bad choices. These are a matter of right choices or wrong choices. And so it's a person who says, I chose not to lie. Or I chose to lie. Or I chose not to cheat. Or I chose to cheat. I chose not to steal. Or I chose to steal. I chose not to commit a sexually immoral act. Or I chose to commit a sexually immoral act. And so, being a pastor... I get to have lots of conversations with people about choices they've made. And many times it's about good choices. Pastor, I made a good choice. I made the right choice. And sometimes I talk to people about bad choices or wrong choices that they've made. And what I get to do is this. You're going to love this part about my job. I get to say to people who have made wrong choices, let me tell you something, because God is who God is. There is still life and there is still hope. And there is still a future after wrong choices because of who God is and what He is like. So there's a story in the Bible about a man who made a wrong choice. And in his mind, making that wrong choice would necessitate that he would make several other wrong choices. And so what did he do? And what do we do when we find ourselves at that point of our lives where we've made wrong choices? So how can you find hope and life and future again after that? So i only got one week to talk about this. This It's not a series we're getting involved in. It's just a one Sunday thing. So you've got to lean in and listen closely and grab your Bible, okay? And we'll go to work and go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And we're going to read a psalm by a man whose name is David, okay? So it's called a penitential psalm. Does not sound inviting, does it? Penitential. Uh, It comes from the word penitence or repentance. So it's a psalm of someone saying, I'm really, really sorry for what I've done. 
I feel very sorrowful. I'm very regretful. I had this huge thing in my life that I wish had never happened. I got this huge regret, this great regret. If I could delete anything, I would delete that. If I could undo anything, I would undo that. If I could go back and do over anything in my life, that's what I would do over. Okay? That's where David is. It's this penitential psalm. Penitence, repentance, sorrowful. I'm really sorry. I wish I hadn't have done this. And so what he does is he turns to God. So let me, let me read to you from Psalm 51. In my Bible, before you get to verse 1, it says, For the director of music, a psalm of David. And then it says, When the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Okay? So it's after Nathan came to David and confronted him about committing adultery with Bathsheba. And so as a result of that huge regret in his life, he finds himself saying these words to God. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, I think the qualifier is interesting. This is why I want you to have mercy on me. Because you are a God of love and because you're a God of great compassion. It's not, not because of anything I did or can do to make this right. I just know that you're a loving God and you have a lot of compassion and I'm asking you for mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You desired faithfulness. Even in the womb, you taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me, God, with hyssop. That's a, a root that was used to sprinkle blood over a person with leper for cleansing. So it's a, it's a word picture that would have been common in the minds of David and the people around him. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let these bones you have crushed rejoice. What a word image. This thing that I've done, this, this great regret in my life, the pain of it is like the crushing of bones. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. I love these words. I think there's a lot of wisdom in these words. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So this is God's word for us today. You know, the truth is that the Bible is full of stories like this one. The Bible is full of stories of people who made right choices, 
And the Bible is full of stories of people who made wrong choices. And so I won't spend a lot of time here, but if you just think of some of the people who really stand out, I mean, these are the heavy lifters, right? A guy like Abraham. God has promised Abraham, I'm going to make your name great. (laughs) I'm going to bless you. Your descendants are going to be as many as, well, just count the stars in the sky. Does it seem impossible? That's how many descendants you're going to have. Count the grains of sand on the seashore. Can you? It feels impossible, doesn't it? That's the number of descendants I will bless you with. I'm going to bless the world through you. And finally, his wife says, I I don't know what's going to happen with this childbearing thing. Maybe you should take my slave, Hagar. Maybe I can have a family through her. And so she offered him her slave, and Abraham slept with her. Huge regret. Wrong choice. Moses, this guy who God used to free all of his people from bondage and slavery. He kills a man out of anger one time. Wrong choice. It's not limited to the Old Testament. You go to the New Testament, and here's a guy whose name is Simon Peter who says, I would die with you before I would deny you, Jesus. But three times he denies him for fear of losing his own life. Wrong choice. So, so this morning... Do you know your neighborhood very well, the people sitting around you? Just look to the person on your right, would you? And just kind of nod and say good morning. Now that's forcing you to look to your left, right? Because the person on your right is looking at you. (laughs) Have you seen who's sitting behind you this morning? Would you look around and just say good morning? Just make eye contact with somebody. Cap Capo, are you doing it? Good, okay. Others? Now you're turning both ways, right? Just kind of lean forward and look down the road. Just kind of wave at somebody. Would you just kind of make eye contact with somebody? Do you know the people around you this morning? Every person you just spoke to, every person you just looked into their eyes, every person you just saw knows what it is to make wrong choices. So nobody gets left out of this sermon. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, all have sinned, everybody, and fall short of God's glory. So nobody gets the pass this morning. Nobody gets the exempt card. Everybody knows what it is to have made a wrong choice. So what do you do? I think this morning, if we look at the life of David, that we can learn something by looking at what he did. So... Here's the story. Many of you know it really well. Some of you would say, I'm not as familiar. I didn't know stories like that were in the Bible. Well, they are. You should read the Bible more. There's a lot there. David is the king of Israel. He is maybe the most loved of all of Israel's kings. Sometimes you just need to stop and pull your socks up. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Didn't quite mean to do that, but once I got started, I just thought it'd be better if I'd announced it. So there, I, I did it. Everybody loved David. He was one of the most loved kings of all of it. Maybe the most loved king of Israel. And so the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, in the springtime of the year when kings go off to war, David stayed in Jerusalem. He sends Joab, his main commander, with all of his army. And they go to fight the Ammonites. And one day while David was home and his army was all off fighting the war without him, he looked off of his palace roof and he saw a young woman taking a bath. Her name was Bathsheba and he found her to be very beautiful. And now, guess what David has? (laughs) 
He has to make a choice. Am I going to look away and move on with my life? Or am I going to have her sent for and bring her to my room? And he makes the wrong choice. And he sleeps with her. And a while later, he gets a message from her saying, I am pregnant. And so now David goes into a mode of trying to protect himself and cover up and plotting. And so he sends for her husband Uriah, who's out with Joab and the army, and they're fighting. And so he brings him in, and he just acts as if, I just want to know how the war is going. And so he answers all of his questions, and he says, okay, go home tonight. But he gets word the next day that he slept on the mat outside of his door. And so he brings him to his palace the next night, and he gets him drunk and says, go home tonight. But once again, he sleeps on the mat outside of his door. It's all about conniving and covering up and plotting. Why didn't you go home and sleep with your wife? Because the ark of God and Joab and all of my fighting companions are living in tents. How could I go in my own house and sleep with my wife and make love to her? I would not do that. So now David is still trying to cover up and he says, Send this note to Joab. Put Uriah at the front of the force. When the fighting is the fiercest, draw everybody else back so he'll be struck down. And so David gets word that Uriah has been killed in battle. What? Murder? He takes a man's life and he brings Bathsheba into his palace and he makes her his wife. And so you've got it all. You've got the story. You've got adultery. You've got passion. You've got plotting. You've got conniving. You've got cover-up. You've got murder. So one day, a prophet of God, whose name is Nathan, comes to see David. David, I want to tell you a story. Okay? There were two men. One was really rich and one was really poor. The rich man had hundreds and hundreds of head of livestock. The poor man had one little lamb. You know what the poor man did with the one little lamb, David? He would let it eat with him and it would even sometimes drink from his own personal cup. Sometimes he would hold the little lamb in his arms as she slept, treated the little lamb like a daughter. And then one day a stranger came to town to visit the rich man. And instead of killing one of his hundreds and hundreds of livestock, he takes the poor man's one little lamb and he slaughters it. And he prepares a meal for the strangers. And David raged with anger and he said, That man should be killed. And Nathan looked at David and he said, But king, you are that man. God gave you his master's house, Saul's home to live in. He gave you all of Israel. If it had not been enough, he would have given you more. And Uriah has one wife. Look at all that you have. And you take her for yourself. And as a result of that, we find Psalm 51. David prays. So, the other day, I was 
at home, and it was early morning, and I was wanting to have my devotional time. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I just find it difficult to pray. And so sometimes when I find it difficult to pray, I just take out my laptop and I go to this document and it has a title and I just click on it and, and uh, there's a lot of prayers that I've written. And so sometimes when I'm struggling to pray, I just write prayers. And so I started writing my prayer and that went really well. And after I finished praying, I kind of started scrolling down and I went back about five years ago to some prayers that I'd written and I began to read those prayers that I'd written. And it was interesting to think about what I was praying about five years ago. And it was kind of fun to read my own prayers. So that's what David does. He writes his prayer. Well, he doesn't write his prayer. He writes his prayer. And here's some things that he does in his prayer. One of the things that he does is that he admits his sin. He confesses. You might be tempted to say, well, of course he does. He's caught. He's found out. Oh, but just back up a minute. There's a lot of people who commit sin who don't feel any need to go to God and repent. But something happened in David's heart. Something changed. There was this moment of truth where he realized the depth, the brevity. Not brevity. The depth. What is the word I'm looking for? Breadth of his sin. I've seen people all of my life come to this moment of understanding. Wow. What have I done? What was I thinking? Did, did, did I ever tell you? I don't think I did. About the, the night, I remember when I was a little boy. My, my mother always was praying for somebody to come to know Jesus. And she was always initiating faith conversations with people. And I remember one night I was asleep in my bed as a little boy. And I got woken up out of my sleep. Put your clothes on. Hurry. Get up. We're all leaving. Where are we going? And they named the person's house we were going to a man about the age of my mom and dad. Why are we going there? You know what my mom says to me? Because he's under conviction. Now, to some of you, that didn't mean anything. But it was a phrase I kind of grew up with. It meant that he was feeling the weight of his sin. And he was feeling very sorry for his sin. And he wanted desperately to be forgiven to the point that he couldn't even sleep in the middle of the night. And he desperately calls my mother and father and says, Would you please come here and pray with me about what you've been talking to me about the last several months? I want to be forgiven of my sin and I want to be a follower of Jesus. And so the Harvey family loads up in our little Dodge Dart and we head to town. We walk in this guy's house after midnight, all of us sleepy. And my mother and my dad get on their knees in the living room with that man by his couch. And my mother leads him in a prayer to accept Jesus Christ into his heart and be forgiven of his sin. So, so that's, that's where David is. He is, what have I done? He feels the weight. He feels the breath. Thank you, Jim, for what he's done. He feels the heaviness. He feels guilt. He feels remorse. He feels sorrow. And he confesses. Against you, God, and you only have I sinned. Our sins affects others. Our sin sometimes really has great consequences for others. But ultimately, all of our sin is against God and God alone. David just confesses, I have sinned. For him, it was more than a good choice or a bad choice. It was about a right choice or a wrong choice. It was sin. See, when, 
when I have sinned. I've never needed anybody to tell me, now that was sin. I've always known. Another thing that David does is that he, he asks for forgiveness. We were asleep the other night, sound asleep. It was around midnight. I don't know why I did this. I guess the night before, the air in my bedroom felt a little stale, and I thought maybe we should put a fan in here. And so I went and got a fan, drug it into the bedroom, plugged it up. It was kind of loud. I, it was just already a weird night because of that. And then I'm laying there sound asleep. And, and this fan's running, and all of a sudden the alarm goes off in our home. Do you know how loud an alarm is when it goes off in your home? Whoop, whoop, whoop. I mean, I would just, you know. I jump up and am fighting that fan to get out the door of my bedroom, you know. Falling over it. Finally get into my kitchen ready to protect and defend. You know, and you can just imagine when the light, kitchen light pops on without me turning it on. It is so bright, squinting my eyes. I feel physically like I'm going to be sick to my stomach because that happens to me when I get up too quick. I'm standing there, my hair disheveled, my heart's racing 90 miles an hour. I'm scared to death in my gym shorts and standing in front of me is my daughter Morgan and her boyfriend. And she just immediately starts saying, Daddy, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We've been trying to call. We've been trying to call you. Didn't your phone. Couldn't answer my phone because the fan was so loud I couldn't hear my phone. <laughs> and she moved from being so sorry to just getting extremely tickled and finally just holding her stomach, just pointing at me like you wouldn't believe what you look like right now. You know? Did you forgive her? Was she forgiven? Of course she was forgiven. She knew it. She, that's why she was laughing so hard. So what did she do to deserve her, your forgiveness? Well, nothing. What did she promise to do? Nothing. How much more? How much more? Based on what are you asking for forgiveness, David? Based on God's unfailing love... And on His great compassion. And that's it. I have messed up really bad. I've made a wrong choice. I made other wrong choices on top of that wrong choice. I'm at the end of my wit. I don't know what to do. All I know to do is ask for your forgiveness. And that's only based on the fact that you are full of love and compassion. Will you forgive me? His language is... Is like this, you know, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love and your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me and hide your face from my sin. I think what happens though is David realizes there's a deeper issue here. It's not just that I committed this act of sin. I am prone to this stuff. I'm bent, I lean. It's not just that there are acts of sin in my life. There is this sinful nature that's a part of me. And he says it with this language. I was born in sin. No, more than that, I was conceived in sin. I'm a son of Adam's race. I was born in sin. Theologians talk about the doctrine of original sin. 
I'm inclined toward evil. I got problems. I need God to do something inside of me. I need Him to change who I am. And and so that's what He does next. He prays for cleansing. What if you just changed me? Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quote Genesis 1.1. When I stop, you say the next word and the next word only, okay? You ready? Here we go. I want good participation here, okay? I don't want you just kind of stumbling into this one. I'll quote, when I stop, you say the next word, the next word only, okay? In the beginning, God created. Man, good coaching just brings about good results, doesn't it? (laughs) So here's what David says when he prays. God, here's what I need you to do for me. I want you to create. So go back to Genesis 1.1. The word is bara. I'll say it and then you say it. Bara. You know what it means? It's a verb. God created. That's where it comes from. Bara. He created the heavens and the earth. Where'd you get those mountains over there? God made them. Where'd you get that ocean? God created it. What'd He create it out of? Nothing. (laughs) He creates. And David says, God, my only hope is that if you create in me a clean heart, my heart's not good. This is all the work of God. This is God's creative process in your life and in my life. And His language again. Cleanse me and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart, God. There's a gentleman who attends here. His name is Irving Jones. He, he, he may not be able to be with us again Unless God just touches him. He's 96. You know Irving? He's the guy who stands here often at Christmas Eve and quotes those beautiful stories for us from the Scripture. And he's moved out of where he was living and now he's in a smaller unit where he has much more care. And and so I went in to see him. First thing he does, oh, you're too busy to be coming to see me. He's, he's, he's one of the most wonderful people I've ever met in my life. And We talked about his move. He didn't say it was hard. I think it was hard. He said, we gave away everything. (laughs) Big smile. You did? Yes. He said, everything except what you see in those two closets. And I turn and look over my shoulder. And in this corner, in this corner of the room, there's two closets. They're about a foot and a half wide and about as tall as me. One here and one there. If you put them together, you might get three feet. Everything I own. You say, Rick Irving has nothing left. No, that's not what I said. (laughs) He has the presence of the Lord. 
And he has the Holy Spirit living in him. And he is maybe the most joyful person that I've ever met in my life, even in this stage of his life. No, he's got... (laughs) He's got incredible blessings. His life is rich. And David prays for these things that go with this cleansing. I, I want your presence and your spirit and joy. Don't ever take your presence from me. Give me your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, of your salvation. See, here's what I want to say to you today. And and that is this, that we have all made wrong choices. But none of us, nobody in the room has to let our past define us. David knew something about God. And here's what he knew. He knew that God was full of unfailing love and great compassion. And although he knew God would one day judge him, he knew that God also desired forgiveness. He knew that God was a very forgiving God. And he knew that God was relational and that he would be a friend and that he would let his Holy Spirit live in you. And he knew that God was the source of all joy. And so I think, I think here's where we are this morning. To ask some really simple questions. Is this a good time in my life to kind of start over? Is, is this a good time in my life to just make a new start? And and I think the last question is really simple. What do you choose? Because it's all about choices. And so what if today somebody said, okay, I admit my sin. I'm asking for forgiveness. And I'm asking for God to change my heart. Just like David did. I can learn from him. So I want you to just hang on with me for one more minute. And I'll, I'll say it this way. Often we, we end with a song, sometimes a time of prayer, different things. And so today Harlan will come and, uh, and we'll sing together, okay, before we go. The nature of the sermon may be that coming forward may, may not be what, what you feel like you're wanting to do this morning, but you definitely want to make steps in the right direction. And, and it may be that somebody would say, I really need to talk to someone. Need to talk to a pastor, need to talk to a close friend. And so the challenge for you this morning is this, that if, if you feel like coming forward is not, is not what I'm willing to do today, then, then I would just say this to you. Email me on your device or um, write me a note or write a note to one of the pastors here or write a note to one of the friends. I'm afraid if you don't do it before you walk out the door and deliver it, that you may not do anything, that the enemy will just kind of say, let's put it off. And so if you just write your name down and write your phone number, I will call you this week 
and we will talk and we will set up a time to get together. We've all made wrong choices, but the wrong choices we've made in our past do not have to define us. And we don't have to stay there. And I want to help you find freedom. I don't want you living in that. And so my challenge to you is to write down a name, your name, a phone number. Give it to me. Give it to another pastor. Give it to a friend before you leave this morning. Or if you want to come and pray, then that's, that's okay too. I, you're very welcome. I'm just concerned that some are going to say, I've just, I'm, not, I'm not willing to do that this morning. And so we'll stand together. Would you do that? And if you want to come to the altar while we're singing, you're welcome to. And you can pray about anything this morning. I like just to say, hey, it's great to come forward on Sunday morning and talk to the Father. Something going on in your family, a sickness you're dealing with, there'll be pastors here to anoint you and pray for you. And and I always wonder if there's somebody that's been coming for weeks and weeks and weeks, maybe months, and, and you've been wanting to become a Christian. And, and, and this week has been one of those weeks where you've been saying, this might be my day. Or maybe even this morning, God's spoken to you and you want to be forgiven of your sin and you want to be born again. Think about that phrase. It's a new life. And so if you want to pray this morning, you're welcome, okay? We'll sing together before we go and pray. Just as I
So I'll hang around down front a little longer than normal this morning, just waiting to see if you want to come and slip me a piece of paper with your phone number on it. You can email me this week as well, okay? So go with this blessing. May the love of God. <laughs> Boy, David understood his unfailing love and his great compassion. And the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.